See, Amy, I've been doing this for years. <laughs> well, before you were born. Before well, you were born, I've been doing this. <laughs> David. Hey, Amy. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. Well, how was your food fortnight? My food fortnight was filled with food. Lots of F's <laughs> there. Filled with food. Um, first, I made this incredible roast pork butt. It took Ooh. two days to do. It had wow. a rub that had paprika and brown sugar and cumin and salt and a couple of other spices and you rub it and you put it in the refrigerator for 24 hours. Ooh. And then you slow, slow roast at 250 for eight to 10 hours. Oh my gosh. It was so tender and so pull apart that the entire bone came out clean with nothing on oh, it. Oh, wow. I mean, That's it was amazing. Cool. And we had guests over and they absolutely loved it. And then I made these chocolate peanut butter cookies, which is a chocolate cookie with uh, a filling of peanut butter. But you break it apart, you see this like line oh, of nice. filling of- Oh, it was delicious. And then the other thing I did, which I was very happy about, is I made an egg salad, but I used the Hellman's mayonnaise sauce for their potato salad. Ooh. And I used that. Oh, my God. It was incredible. So there's been a lot of eating around here. Right, right. Well, we're coming out of the holiday times of the spring. How about you? Yeah, it's been a good food fortnight. We had both Easter. I cooked Easter dinner That's with right. my parents. And then also we had a Seder and I had a lot of fun making the matzo ball soup. And, mm -hmm. you know, the I did actually short ribs instead of brisket. Well, that's nice. Yeah, it was, it was a really, it was fun. We do like a simple low key Seder with just close family. And I, I like how relaxed it is. I know some people go big. So you celebrate Eastover. We, yes, we celebrate right, Eastover. And I love it. I wouldn't have it any other way. I love having both holidays. And then, you know, I've been cooking for friends a fair mm -hmm. amount. I have some friends who are like going through stuff with like family illnesses and losing parents. And, mm. and so I delivered a noodle bowl, a big noodle bowl last night to some friends with various like pickled veggies and, you know, oh, five spice lovely. grilled. And, you know, it feels so good to do it. I agree. It, it, it's like giving me a gift when I do it because mm -hmm. I feel that feeling of community mm -hmm. and that's what I want in my life. So, you know, my friend thanked me, but I was like, actually, thank you for letting me do this. I know it seems altruistic, yeah. but it's deeply, deeply, deeply selfish. <laughs> Because you're, I, you feel I see so it good as deeply it. mutual. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Adam? How was your food fortnight? Well, I had recently, I was over in Brooklyn and I stopped at this place called Shwarma Mia. Ooh. Mm. And mm. I was with a friend and looking for something really quick. And he's like, I know it's a really great place. And it was so, so, so good. I guess I'm like a, a sucker for meat on a big like skewer. And like mm -hmm. a, yeah. a big open flame. <laughs> it's a manly way to eat meat. It is. There's something about that that gets me every time. And I'm really excited. I'll be back there this week. And I'm definitely making a stop. So I'm looking forward to my upcoming food fortnight. Mm. And that's in Brooklyn? Yeah, Ooh, yeah. It's right nice. next to Barclay Center. It's called Shwarma Mia. Yeah. And it's got a fun name. It's punny. Yeah. Shwarma Mia. Mia. Yeah, it's cute. Here I go again. Okay, Amy, so it's mailbag time. Yay, mailbag Yay. time. We got some nice messages from folks. We did, folks. finally, people. <laughs> 
<laughs> Damn it. <laughs> All right. Well, we got, I want to share one from um, Beth Marushin. She mm. said, I love your podcast, Heart Emoji. Oh, that's You're sweet. so real and sweet. Listening to you and David is my walking to work unwind. Aww. The spring cleaning. Isn't that nice? Because yeah, I have podcasts that are my, un- like, walking to work yeah. unwind or my, like, mowing the lawn unwind. So mm-hmm. it's really nice to be that for somebody. The spring cleaning episode hit home big time. After moving out of our house of 20 years, we hauled bags of old pantry stuff. Oh, gosh, Ugh, yeah. Why didn't I do it sooner? <laughs> Laughing emoji. It was very oh, sweet. Oh, that's so sweet. Thank yeah. you, Beth. And we have one from Kelly Lott, and she said, your podcasts are keeping me cheerful during Ugh. an otherwise stressful time. I that really is love them. So Isn't that nice. nice that we can do that for people? Oh, my See, God, that's everything. Deeply, that's- deeply selfishly altruistic. <laughs> It really means so much if you can brighten somebody's day. I agree. Gosh, thank you. That's so nice to hear. All right. So news. What's going on in the news? So I was just in New York Mm -hmm. and I went to go see Sean Hayes in (gasps) Goodnight Oscar on Friday night. Clutch the pearls. I know. It was amazing. Oh, no. Was was it really? Yeah. You got to go see it. So I stopped on my way out at Penn Station. I grabbed a bagel at Mm H&H. Not nearly enough cream cheese. And furthermore, I paid extra for that scant cream cheese because New York has a tax. Okay, so if you if I were to buy a bag of bagels and a tub of cream cheese, right. I would pay less than if I had all of those bagels made into bagels with cream cheese topping because you pay an additional tax if they do what they consider to be food prep. So the smearing of the cream cheese mm-hmm. is an act of food prep, therefore it has to be taxed at a different level. So Are you serious? Oh, New York. <laughs> yes. I'm not I'm not getting it. Is this the April Fool's show? And it really annoys people. So H and H, despite the fact that they didn't properly uh, smear my bagel, right. they have come up with a solution which is a tax-free bagel. They partnered with Philadelphia brand cream cheese and they've made a bagel. Best that- cream cheese in the world. Gotta it say, is. Love it. And they put the cream cheese inside it. It's like stuffed like a jelly donut, except it's a bagel, right? So the cream cheese goes around it inside. It's like injected. Okay. It's injected. So if, if you were to cut it in half, you would see like a little tube of cream cheese going through okay. the whole thing. Okay. And so you buy the pre-cream cheesed bagel and you don't have to pay that tax. This is, I'm not going back to New York. New York's falling apart. <laughs> They just got a, a rat czar, and now they've just appointed a rat czar, and now I'm being I'm paying more money because I want a schmear. I like my schmears. No, oh my god, this is I insane. get it. It's like labor. It's like labor, but it, it you but know it's, it's not just the labor it, getting it; it's the government getting it. Well, yeah, that's the thing. See, if I would pay extra, extra if the labor pay, got it. I'd pay the schmearer extra right. money, but I'm not right. going to pay the government to you know for the schmear. Is that even a schmear though? That's not a schmear. No, it's like a yeah. smush. It's a zhuzh. Yeah, well, it's like an injection. It's a squirt. It's like a yeah. snort. It's a snort yeah, of, uh, it's a s- of cream cheese. <laughs> it's not even a sh- And the whole thing about a bagel is you want to have that so much cream cheese that it falls, it squishes when you eat it. That's what you want. Yeah. Oh, that is really yeah. very sad. That's what we, and I did not get that. And then if I had ordered the pre-filled one, I wouldn't have gotten it either. So do better. But- do better. Do better, New York. <laughs> Fewer rats and better better oh, schmears. God, and less can we have less weed walking around New York City? Like, why is walking through Midtown a cloud? Oh, you are preaching to the choir. Weed? Child, you are preaching it's to the just, choir. It's so out of control. 
I know I sound like, you know, a get off my lawn person here, but <laughs> I don't know. I, I you walk uh, down it. if we walk to the theater district, I'm high by the time I arrive. Yeah. Exactly. I, I, I mean, it's it's urine and weed. It's like, hello, you're in Times Square. And unfortunately, I was exclusively in Times Square this weekend because I was going to a conference and I was right. going to, you know, a show. And I, so I stayed in Times Square. Oh, my God. Oh, God. oh so awful. <laughs> it's a great city. Just don't go to Times Square. <laughs> and at least we have something of interest in the show that might... Lift people out of the gutter, if you would. <laughs> the New York City gutter. <laughs> yes, we have something much better than what we were just discussing. Something actually that I'm so excited about and so passionate about, which is a book by Tamar Adler called The Everlasting Meal Cookbook. Mm. I think this book solves infinite problems for me in my day-to-day cooking life. It makes me feel more competent. It gives me great ideas. I can't wait to talk to her. So let's just get right to it. Welcome to the podcast, Tamar. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Welcome. I am such a huge fan of this book. Oh, she is. Yeah. She is Tamar. I've been raving about it for a few weeks now. It's been on social media. She's been telling everyone about it. (laughs) And that was before you knew you were in it, right? I know. I was (laughs) was so honored that a book I love so much, you did an adaptation of the applesauce bun cake from the Apple Lover's Cookbook, which was my book. And I was so happy to see it there. That That was an honor. I'm so happy. It's a great recipe. Thanks. So I love this book because it solves so many problems. It is about, as you say, cooking with economy and grace, which means cooking with leftovers, with unexpected little bits that maybe we have traditionally thrown away to make the most out of every meal and have it extend into the next meal in a fresh way. And I think it really solves that problem for those of us who want to use food, who don't want to have food waste, who want to be economical and eat well, but who kind of run out of ideas. So tell me first how the book works and how it does solve those problems. So it's a really bizarre book in that you don't search it by what you want to make. You search it by what you have. So it functions more like a reference book, or it would, except that I tried to also make it lively and you know, there are a lot of beautiful illustrations in it. So you, if you want to make something that you, like you read about in the New York Times or, you know, you saw on Instagram, you don't open this book. You go ahead and you go to the New York Times or to Instagram. But the next day, you're like, oh, I have a little bit of souffle left over. Or I have the stems of the bunch of cilantro that I chopped up because the recipe told me to garnish with cilantro. Or I have like three beans floating around in bean liquid because I took all the beans out to make this like, you know, beans on toast thing I saw somewhere. That's where my book comes in handy because you just look up what you have and then I give you ideas for what to do with it. And they're not gross. They're really great. (laughs) (laughs) Well, how did you, because you're pointing to something, which is that a lot of people feel like they hear leftovers and they kind of shut down. How did you Mm -hmm. choose this as your subject? I don't think I chose leftovers as my subject. I think I noticed that the way that I was cooking in this way that seemed to me to make my life easier. And I was always, I mean, I'm tooting my own horn here, but I was always getting complimented on the food I was serving people. And I used to be a professional cook and the food that I make tastes really good. And 
I don't, and I use all of everything. And I very rarely start from a place of like, I know I want to make this one beautiful dish. I tend more often to open up my fridge and see what's there and use all of the things or know that like maybe I, the other night, two nights ago, I wanted to make kofta. Mm-hmm. because I had leftover naan and I love how naan can kind of also be repurposed as like right. a kofta sandwich bread, flatbread. And I had leftover raita and I was like, oh, I can turn this into like a, a whole cucumber salad to be part of the kofta. So like I had this idea, kofta, that I wanted mm-hmm. to make, but I couldn't have made it if I didn't have all of these things left over from from the meals before. So I've never thought of it as like, oh, I'm going to like help people save, you know, their leftovers. It was more like, wait a minute, I'm doing this thing that makes my life easier and less expensive. I need to help more people do this because, you know, we had friends over for the kofta and they weren't going like, oh, it's so nice that Tamara used her leftovers. They kept on writing me the next day and they were like, that meal was so amazing. Um, So do you think though that someone needs to maybe think about the future or should they make whatever they make and then turn to the book because there'll be an answer there? I think both. I mean, I think mm-hmm. I wrote a book about 10 years ago called An Everlasting Meal. And what that right. whole book is about is something more akin to like taking a long perspective or like the idea of, you know, planting a tree for seven generations from now or doing anything you do, making sure that anything you do will benefit seven generations from now, mm-hmm. not just today. And I think that in general with cooking as with anything in life, that's a good idea. I don't think you should, I mean, I, I don't think I would ever make something without also thinking of the future because the future is there. But I think if you have made something, you should be reassured to know that I am happy to step in between your past self and your present self and tell you what can happen in this not necessarily conceived of future if you haven't already. Well, see, what's interesting, when I think of leftovers, like we had pulled pork last night and some other things, when I think of leftovers, it's simply going to be a repeat of the same meal. It's not doing something different. So it's not suddenly recreating or re rediscovering the dish. It's just the same, and I never want to eat the same meal twice. No, and you don't have to. It's sort of like part of you when you made the pulled pork was like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm making, you know, I'm making a pork shoulder. I'm making, mm-hmm. a, this is like braised or smoked. This is made in a way that's quite forgiving. As a cook, mm-hmm. you know that that pork can be reheated, recooked in lots of different ways. Like you right. could turn that into a pasta sauce tonight. You could turn that into a polenta sauce. You could totally mm-hmm. tack and turn it into like a Southeast Asian salad. You know, there are so many things you could do and you know that it will hold up because part of you did sort of plan that. And also when you think about, you know, pork shoulder in general Mm -hmm. and when you cook big cuts of meat, like part of what's embedded in those preparations is a kind of like forward looking and future planning. It's just that we don't necessarily do it every time we cook. But I feel like your inner self knew that this was like a pretty resilient, lasting thing to make. And then you just need your outer self... Or your inner tomorrow. <laughs> I think you have a higher opinion of my inner self than I do when it comes to cooking. But thank you very much for that. But, you know, it really speaks to a point, which is that we have been trained through most recipes, and I am 100% guilty of this as a recipe developer, to think of every recipe as something you shop for and make. Mm-hmm. You know, Hopefully you eat it up, and if you don't, 
uh, I don't know, convince your family to eat the same thing the second night. Meanwhile, we're in an environment where we're thinking about inflation and the cost of food and how expensive it all is and how do we make the most with the money we have and the food we have. We're thinking about food waste and wanting to eliminate that. We're thinking about the amount of time we have to cook. And your book really addresses all of that. It's saying you don't have to run to the grocery store every day after work to make dinner. You don't have to spend all this money. You don't have to waste all this food. And I have to say, like, given that in most like hetero families, women do most of the cooking. I feel like this is a very feminist book because it's about giving people back time. I mean, it's for anybody who does the cooking, obviously. It's not just women, but there's a freedom here that you're offering us. And we don't even have to do the thinking because the book does the thinking for us, which is why I'm so in love with it. (laughs) I'm so happy. I think that's totally true. And I think it's also like, somebody asked me, since this book came out, like, uh, you know, oh, it's so funny that I would have thought that you were like a rabid environmentalist, but you don't talk about climate change at all in this book. And you don't talk about, um, you know, like food waste or, or greenhouse gases or methane or, and I was like, yeah, I don't, because I don't, it can be a secondary effect. Right. I mean, sometimes I talk about the fact that you save money when you do this, but I don't go on and on about how like it's less than $20 a day if you cook this way right. or, you right. know, mm-hmm. and I don't go on and on about how like, yeah, if you're a mom, this might give you back enough time to like open up the book that you've wanted to read for a long time or go, you know, go for a long walk or whatever it is that you keep on sort of not having time to do. Because I think that it it can be nice to approach it from the perspective of, this is a great way to make meals and to make meals taste better and to make things generally easier, go more smoothly, and then realize like, okay, this is also really great for the environment. And this is also saving me time and money. And I don't need to sort of grandstand about the various virtues of, <laughs> of cooking like this. You can just, they can just happen to sort of shower you as you use your leftover pulled pork and cilantro stems. Basically, right now we're talking theoretically. Let's get very practical. So someone who's listening to this can go, I understand what the book is doing and therefore I want to go out and get it. Amy, let's give Tamar some food and then she can explain what she would do, how that would work. Give me some food. Okay, so David and I went through our refrigerators and Mm -hmm. we each identified things that we have that we're a little bit challenged about how to repurpose. Okay, so a container of orange chicken that my kid got yesterday at the local Chinese restaurant. So there's just like half a container of orange chicken. Uh, There are so many that you could do with that. So a lot of times what I end up doing with that is doing a fried rice. Uh And I add a lot of flavor so it doesn't taste exactly like the thing yesterday. So if that's like quite sweet, I would probably start a hot pan with oil and then do like a lot of chopped chilies, some chopped ginger, chopped onion, garlic. Maybe if you had cilantro stems Mm -hmm. or cilantro, you could add that too. I do have that. Let everything get tender. Oh, great. Then add leftover cooked rice and then toward the end, add the chicken. You can chop it up again Mm -hmm. if you want, you know, just give it a a once through chop and then it will taste really different than it did. I think it's going to be really important to to sort of like change them enough that it doesn't feel like a repeat. So when you have the strong flavor of orange chicken, I feel like a natural way to go is spicy, limey, fish saucy. Nice. So Mm -hmm. I would, there's a recipe in the book for Thai fried rice, which has this way of Mm -hmm. like really 
infusing the rice with what we think of as Thai flavors. There's lime and some crunchy vegetables and right. fish sauce. So I would probably just put it into that recipe in the book or just do what I said, which is I just described the recipe essentially. Yeah. Okay. Last night I made noodle bowls with five spice chicken and tofu. So I have these rice noodles that I cooked and I am not sure what to do because they dry out quickly. Do I just dip them in, you know, boiling water and kind of, but they can get mushy. So what's, what's the right way to handle that? That's a great one. I would just reheat them quickly again. They won't get mushy with a a quick dip in hot water. Right. They would be totally fine. And then a really nice thing to do could be to make like a very, very fast peanut sauce Mm. sort of dressing. You could do that. Or again, you could just add a ton of herbs. If you have herbs left over from the noodle bowls, Mm -hmm. you could do a lot of acid, a lot of herbs, crunchy peanuts. Rice noodles get really hard. Yeah. So the important thing there is just to like give them back a delicious texture. Right. Which I would do exactly like you said, like just run them under hot water right. or you could boil water and just dunk them in for a second and take them out and then sauce them immediately. I would definitely have the sauce ready right. when you rehydrate them. Awesome. Okay. So that they don't have a chance to get sticky again. Yeah. All right, I got one. At least once a week, we have roast chicken. And my partner, what he does is he takes chopped potatoes, chopped carrots, chopped onions, garlic, mixes it all up and puts the chicken on top. So it roasts with all the chicken fat. Now we always end up eating all the potatoes because they're so good, but we're left with the carrots and the onions. And there's a big container of carrots, onions with a lot of schmaltz. What would you do with that? Oh my God, that sounds so good. It is. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are so many things. The the thing that comes immediately to mind is starting another sauce. So like (laughs) what I usually do in in a situation like that is chop some garlic as well, chop some herbs, and Mm -hmm. then make like a super delicious, not quite bolognese style sauce, but like if you had any of the leftover chicken, Mm -hmm. you could do like a white, a white chicken ragu. So no tomatoes, cook that stuff down further with a bunch of garlic and some chopped rosemary and then add a little wine. Mm -hmm. And then you could do fresh mushrooms or you could do like rehydrated dried mushrooms and essentially like, and if you had any leeks, you could... Mm -hmm you know, add those early too. And essentially make like a white ragu or like, um, what is the noodle dish with creamy, creamy mushroom sauce, like an old fashioned one? Stroganoff. So you're doing like almost like you're making like a rich, like a very rich, creamy, slightly sweet because of the caramelized onions Mm -hmm. and carrots. And obviously you don't want to use them all for that. So you could use probably a cup of them for that kind of ragu. But then from just a cup, you get this whole... Such a good idea. But that's also how you start like any soup, right? Like if you were starting a soup, you you basically have schmaltzy mirepoix. Um, Right. So you could do chicken ragu tonight, do a soup tomorrow, and it could be anything. It could be like a pureed soup that you just start with the Mm -hmm. schmaltzy onions and carrots, and then you add your other ingredient, your liquid. Or it could be a minestrone or a minestra, you know, like a chunky soup. You could Mm -hmm. also freeze them in small amounts and then basically never have to make mirepoix again. Yeah, well, that's Mm. nice. I like that. You just start anything with this little puck of schmaltzy Mm -hmm. deliciousness. Wow. That's very practical. I want to highlight some of the less expected ways that you're using leftover bits here, like Mm 
Mm-hmm. And so you're including peels and other discards. Point out that avocado pits and peels can be used to dye Easter eggs or cloth to a dusty rose color. Apple wow. peels can be made into apple scrap vinegar. Sourdough discard can be used to make waffles. And butter wrappers make great baking pan greasers. What are some of the things, though, that you will throw away? I mean, you know, tons of stuff. I think that a thing that's that's important to note is that I don't practice everything that I wrote in the book all the time. Like I wrote a recipe for banana skin curry, which is awesome. It's delicious. Mm. Mm. But I still compost a lot of banana skins. Like I, I tried to make as many options as I possibly could for everybody for the moment where you're like, I wonder if I could do something with this. But that doesn't mean there aren't plenty of times when I compost my banana skins, that's a good one, or banana peels rather. And what else goes in the compost? I just found, somebody gave me a box of like weird multicolored graham crackers shaped like bunnies that their kid didn't <laughs> oh, want yeah, to eat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Very specific. I, yeah. And like then it's been in my, it's been in my pantry and I offered them to my son and he was like, I don't like this. And so I just composted them all. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to use all of everything if it's not going to be good. Right. You know, or if like, if nobody's going to eat it, I'm not like pulling out my hair or like self-flagellating and going, oh no, this is going into the compost. I feel like there are some times that I use my carrot peels as a vegetable in a vegetable soup, as a minestra, you know, and that will, I'll do that when I have the other things around that would make a good combination with that. Or like if I need to make a sauce and I've just right. peeled carrots, mm-hmm. I'll use the peels instead of dicing carrots for the mirepoix. But I think it's more about having, like knowing what you can do and having the option. Or for me, I, I definitely, somebody asked me recently on a radio show how big my compost was and he was like mm-hmm. oh was it is it just a quart and I was like no it's like a regular <laughs> big old bucket of compost I just know what I can do with the stuff in the situation that I that it makes sense for me to well you know I'm actually very proud of myself because as you were talking about skins and peels I realized in my cookbook a recipe that no one makes Yet the Lee brothers, when they blurb the back, said it was one of the best recipes in the entire book, is when you peel potatoes for something else, boiling it or something, you save the skins, then I make an herb oil where I very gently warm the oil with the herbs so it gets all that flavor, strain out the herbs, and then I will deep fry the potato skins in that herb oil and then put the crunchy herbs on top. Oh, that sounds great. Fantastic. See, Amy, I've been doing this for years, <laughs> well, before you were born. Before well, you were born, I've been doing this. <laughs> you're pointing to something also, which is, you know, Portuguese cooking is your specialty, but yes. there is a long history of using up every bit and every Very cuisine. frugal. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, very frugal. Yeah. Absolutely. And just so we can just be trading potato peel recipes here, I have one in the book okay. that I, since I wrote it in the book, I make it every time I peel a potato. So this is like going against what I just said, which is I don't always do all the things. With potatoes, I do because it's so delicious. So same mm-hmm. thing, peel the potatoes, toss them with olive oil, salt, and roast them at 400 until they're crispy. Nice. And then I take them out and top them with chopped scallions and grated cheese. Mm. Ooh, and it's yeah. like, that's nice. It's really good. But, it's like potato I mean, skinny kind of thing. Very potato skinny. Like if you're in a bar, but- Yeah, munchy yeah. potato skinnies. That's nice, I like yeah. that. I like that. And actually talking about, now we're really getting into this, talking about carrot peeled and carrot skins, I don't even peel my carrots no matter what I do. I never peel my carrots. I wash them, 
but there's no need yeah, to. Right. Well, if you have a complaining six-year-old... Oh, maybe. Then... I don't. I just have two cats. <laughs> no, they're not complaining. <laughs> no, they're not. Or if they are, you don't understand. <laughs> exactly. But like, I'm like, I, I would rather just... This there are only so many complaints I can hear in a day. <laughs> <laughs> so one challenge that I can see is that if I'm saving all these little leftovers here and there, that my refrigerator or freezer is going to be filled with all these little bits and pieces. So how do you solve that? One way that I solve it is um, I, I really do use things. Mm. Like, and so that means very regularly pulling out the bits, opening it up and just going like, I'm going to use, I'm going to use you. So things are not allowed to languish because mm-hmm. then languishing becomes festering in like yeah. a very small amount mm-hmm. of time. The other thing is that I, I didn't used to do this, but I label things now mm-hmm. and that helps a lot. I label things like sometimes slightly optimistically, like kind of goading myself into <laughs> what's going to happen next. Like You got to give an example of that. Okay. Well, so like I did, I made salad niçoise for folks over here like four days ago or something. And then in one container put the leftover potatoes, little bit of leftover tuna. It was like, that was like on the side of the salad. Some of the leftover eggs, mm-hmm. my son's egg yolks, four leaves of arugula that were like stuck to something. And then I had zested a lemon just because I knew I was about to squeeze it for the vinaigrette. So I had all the zest. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm just going to put the zest on top of this. It's all going to go in there together. And so then I labeled it lemony potatoes and eggs. And then underneath I wrote, mmm, egg salad. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then like, so lots of times, it, or like sometimes it'll say like frittata to be, or like, mmm, mm-hmm. lunch noodles. <laughs> Just a creative spur. Mm-hmm. Let's get mm-hmm. to what's going to happen tomorrow. And like lemony also sounds delicious. It does. So I liked like putting the lemon zest on there helped. I, I think I called that in the book refrigerator cooking mm-hmm. because it, just makes it lemony overnight. The other thing is that I, in my freezer, I now put everything that's going to be like a stock helper or a bean addition or like um, herb stems, mm-hmm. onion peels, carrot tops, um, the tops or bottoms of celery, I put in one bag. And when the bag gets quite full, I go ahead and make stock. I usually have some bones mm. somewhere. But if I don't, you could also just make vegetable stock. I like that idea. I've never thought about that because what I do is I'll take those extra scraps, throw them in a bag, throw them in the freezer. But over here, carrot tops, over here right. is potato yeah. peels and over there's. I never thought about getting one bag and then keep adding to it and add. I like that idea. Mm-hmm. And then maybe add the chicken bones or whatever bones to that same thing. That's interesting. Yeah. That's smart. Very smart. Aim, do you do that? You know, I have occasionally, no, I've got like, I've got a bag of leek tops. I've got a bag with a chicken carcass. No, mm. I don't put it together. It makes so much See, more sense. Put together. And it's also easier to just dump it in. Yeah. You referenced refrigerator cooking and I had made a note to ask you about that because I think it's such an interesting concept. Could you say more about what that means? Yeah. It's like when you're storing, I feel like I say two totally opposite things in this book and I totally believe them both, but they're not actually opposite. They're just, they're for different circumstances. One is refrigerator cooking, which is like, it's the end of a day. Let's say there's some bacon left over for breakfast. I know, I know people say there's no such thing as leftover bacon. <laughs> that, that's me. Yeah, but that's like, I think 
you know, that could, that has its own kind of neurosis. Like it's cool. If there's one piece of bacon left, you can save it. You know, you can eat it, mm-hmm. but like you don't have to, you can store it. And it's fine if you like, mm-hmm. it's bacon, you can leave it out all day and store it at the end of the night when you're putting away the rice. So like mm-hmm. if there is a piece of bacon, not at David's house, but at somebody else's house, there's a piece of bacon <laughs> left over. And then, and it's been sitting out since breakfast. And then you're putting away rice from dinner. Chop up the bacon, store it with the rice. And then tomorrow, yeah. you're going to have bacony rice. And it's such an easy way to start fried rice because some of the fat is in there. When you dump the rice right. into there, it's like, it's like tailor-made for going into the pan because the bacon's right on top. You know, you flip it in and then all of the fat will render on the bottom, get crispy. Like there's so little left to do. And I do the same thing with leftover cooked eggs. I will store them mm-hmm. with rice or like I stored the eggs and potatoes together with lemon zest and I made such a delicious egg salad the next day. And there was mm. like, I just dumped oh, it out wonderful. into a bowl, a little bit of mayonnaise on top. I didn't have to add any, any acid because there was all that lemon zest in it. And I just smashed it with a fork. Oh, I added some capers, I think. And it was so good. Mm. So that's refrigerator cooking. And it can go with, I mean, it's like storing things together that will go well together tomorrow so that it's easier to get yourself to do it tomorrow. It's like playing tricks on yourself. So then the other kind of playing tricks on yourself, which can sound like a contradiction, but in fact is not, is that disassembling something can also be a really great strategy. So an example I give in the book is crudités. Like, oh yeah. Let's say you serve like beautiful, like baby fennel and little beans and radishes and, you know, whatever lovely little things you serve as a raw vegetable platter with ranch, whatever, your little dip. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If you store those all together in a container, then they just Mm -hmm. look like crudite. You're like, I don't want crudite. It's Sunday. It's not a crudite day. That was like a Friday (laughs) thing, you know? Um, In that situation, I recommend storing things separately, disassembling so that things start to look like themselves again instead of looking like crudite that didn't get eaten. So that when you take it apart, then radishes just look like radishes and you can roast them or you can slice them up, put them in a salad and beans look like beans. You can boil them quickly and eat them on their own or combine them with eggs or, you know, kind of like one version is you put it all together so that it looks sort of, it suggests what it's going to be the next day. And then the other is you take it all apart so it doesn't suggest what it was. <laughs> ah, that's interesting. <laughs> it's time right, well, now so for now our world famous Feared by uh, Foodies Everywhere Chop Top Round. <laughs> all right. What's your go to meal to make when you're dead tired? Ramen. Best time saving trick in the kitchen. You have so many. <laughs> I don't know, yeah. I was going to say always have leftover rice, leftover cooked mm. rice. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. All right. How about your favorite food, TV show, or movie? Babette's Feast. Me too. That's one mm. of mine. Your most beaten up cookbook. Beaten up cookbook. Um, Fuchsia Dunlop's Land of Plenty. Ooh, Great nice. Mm-hmm. All right. Your greatest faux pas in the kitchen. Oh, my God. Uh, this is not going to be really fast, but I was cooking at Chez Panisse in Berkeley and I was making an endive salad with a creamy uh, dressing, like a creme fraiche dressing. And earlier that morning during prep, I had cut my finger and I thought I remembered putting a finger cot on it, which is like a little rubber... Like a finger, finger condom. condom. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I thought I remember putting one on, but it was a Saturday lunch, which was like the absolute busiest service at Chez Panisse. And then I put out 
one of the like, you know, hundreds of those salad, not hundreds, probably dozens of those creamy creme fraiche endive salads that I put out that day. And I noticed that the finger cut was gone. Um, and then I was like, <laughs> <laughs> look, mommy calamari in my salad. And I was like, oh, I must, I mean, it was just self-deception, right? I was like, oh, it, I must not have put one on. I probably wasn't wearing one. It's, oh my God. And then oh God. as we were cleaning up from Saturday lunch, which was like a really big ordeal, the manager that day, Sam, pulled me outside. He said to Mark, can I talk to you for a second? And he, oh and he took me outside to the little deck behind the restaurant that only the cooks went to. And he was, hold, he was holding a plate and it was completely empty except for one finger cut <laughs> full of good fresh dressing. Oh, God. <laughs> Oh my! Well, at least the patron ate around it. That's oh that's good. Oh my god! He was like, oh I don't even. They couldn't. There were. Oh god! They, nobody had the words to reprimand me. Like. No. <laughs> oh my oh, god! Let's just hope they oh. saw it before they ate it. I, oh I know that's the thing. Did they take that yeah. out of their mouth? I, anyway. Oh, oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. All right. So the last best thing you ate. The last best thing I ate. Oh, you know, this is, well, but it's mine what I cooked. Yeah, no, that's, really? that's okay. Um, two nights ago, this is, I was talking about kofta that I made. I made them two mm-hmm. nights ago and it was the night before I had cooked like a big Indian meal for mm-hmm. kind of a large group. And then the night after that, I really wanted to have people over for dinner, but didn't. I got home, you know, 20 minutes before people would have gotten here. I had no time and definitely no energy. They said they were bringing over ground meat. And so I had cilantro stems left over from a garnish the night before. And I had caramelized onions left over from like two weeks ago. And Mm -hmm. I combined those two things, chopped cilantro stems and caramelized onions and ground coriander and a little bit of ground cumin and a bunch of salt. And that was my kofta and the meat. Mm. And it was so delicious. And then I also found a tablespoon of trina left from honestly three weeks ago when I was on Mm -hmm. book tour and my mom was cooking for my husband and my son. She made a Middle Eastern meal. There was a little trina left over from it. I looked at it. There was like a tiny bit of like purplish, like the suggestion of mold that was thinking about coming in, but it was only in one distant corner. So I just scooped out everything but that. And I made that into salad dressing. The meal was just great. And it literally took 20 minutes to make, but the kofta were, wow. were really good. Oh, that sounds so good. His caramelized onions also, if you add them to meat and then you grill it, they are mm-hmm. so sugary that it gets mm. like, it gets really beautifully caramelized on the grill. So they were like, oh, nice. yeah, it was a good, I hadn't thought about why I was doing it, but then I was like, oh, this worked out. This was really good. Oh, that sounds so good. Wow. All right. Last question is, what are the most underrated, in your opinion, and overrated leftovers? Oh, my gosh. Um, Underrated. I think people really, really give short shrift to leftover cooked eggs. Mm -hmm. I agree. We do not think about all of the things that have cooked egg in them. That right. like they're we're we're already so close to there when we have a cooked egg. So I think those are the most underrated for sure. Most overrated. Most overrated leftover. Are any ref- leftovers overrated? Well that I was wondering if you'd even be able to answer that because 
your whole point is that nothing needs to be wasted. Do they even get rated? There's no ratings. No, it's so sad. <laughs> all leftovers are underrated They're all by the underrated. culture. Yeah. Yeah. They're shaggy dogs. They are. But hopefully with you, they're not going to be underrated anymore. No longer. Well, now, just before we go, I do want to point out that the writing in this book is so good. It's a reference, but it's also beautifully written. And yeah, she has been raving. Amy, this is so nice. Thank you. (laughs) Well, here's, let me read what you wrote about leftovers. I feel about leftovers as I do about empty restaurants and unkempt gardens. I love them because they are unloved. There is a beautiful voice in this book. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you're standing with me cooking when I'm reading it and cooking from it. And that's, I feel like that's a rare thing, a beautifully written cookbook these days. So nowadays, Thank you. Absolutely. Oh, thank you so much. I'm, I mean, you can see me. Nobody will be able to see me on the radio, but I'm like bright red and grinning, and I'm Aww. so, I'm so pleased. <laughs> thank you so much. That's such a lovely thing to hear. Yeah. Oh, great. Thank you so much. Tamar Adler is the James Beard and IACP award-winning author of An Everlasting Meal and Something Old, Something New. She is a contributing editor to Vogue and has been a New York Times Magazine columnist and the host of the luminary podcast Food Actually. She has cooked at several restaurants, including Chez Panisse, and lives in Hudson, New York. Talking With My Mouthful is produced by Overt Studios, and our producer is the never leftover, always fresh, Adam Claremont. You can reach Adam and Overt Studios at overtstudios.com. Remember to follow Talking With My Mouthful wherever you download your favorite podcasts. And a new feature, if you like what you hear, and we hope you do, you can support us, just like public media. You'll find a link on our show page on your favorite podcast platform. Click it and support us. Even a dollar will do. Ciao. Bye, David. We have we have chicken every year. Every year? No, my God. <laughs> we eat once a year. Just want to let you know. No. And butter wrappers make great greasing pan, baking pan. Sorry. And butter wrappers make bait. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's the blooper reel. <laughs>